Today I'm going to mention some things concerning the Middle East, and I know when we get into prophetic issues that there are differences in interpretations and as we see things, and I understand that, and I appreciate other views, and I, but uh, I like the discussion of prophecy. I, I like prophecy myself, and uh, I know that there are others, uh, many uh, others in the congregation who also like prophetic messages and prophetic studies. <clears throat> Nevertheless, today we look at the Middle East and we see the eyes of the world on the Middle East uh, and on Israel in particular. And those uh, who are acquainted with the Word of God and how God dealt with Israel in the past, we know that that is a people that's very close to the heart of God. Uh, he when he called Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees and he gave him the land, he told him that this land was his over there in the Middle East and it was given to him and to his seed after him. Then we go down and we see the time of the covenant was renewed to Isaac and also to Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob's name was, was to be no longer Jacob, but his name was changed to Israel and out of Jacob came the tribes of Israel and those tribes if you look about 49th chapter of Genesis that land over there on the Mediterranean was apportioned out to the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel in prophecy is given as a sign. Jesus himself and I believe the fig tree is Symbolic of Israel, Jesus says, when you see the fig tree and all the trees being uh, lift up head, you know that summer is nice. So we're to watch Israel. They, they're given as a sign to be watched. And the word watch is a key word in the message that Jesus gave in his Olivet Discourse. So the eyes of the world are on Israel. Israel today occupies a portion of the land that God gave to Abraham. I say a portion of it because if you look at the land that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, some of the neighboring countries occupy portions of that land today. Israel, does, as a nation there today, does not occupy all that territory. So it's given to Abraham and his descendants through Isaac and Jacob. As I mentioned before, Jacob's name was changed to Israel and out of him came the 12 tribes and this was to be their land. This is the land where King David reigned. He moved the throne to Jerusalem. David was the first king of Israel to reign from Jerusalem. He moved the throne there during his kingship. This is, is in this land and in this area where King Solomon built that great temple. Jesus was born in Israel. He grew up there. He spent his lifetime in Israel except for that brief period when Jesus, Mary, and Joseph fled into Egypt. And so he, his earthly ministry was there. Jesus was baptized there. Uh, he preached there. Preached around the beautiful Sea of Galilee. Preached in Jerusalem. He, uh, went to the synagogues. He, he fed the 5,000. All this occurred in that land. 
Jesus was also arrested there. He was arrested in Jerusalem. Uh, he was tried and condemned, and then he was crucified. He was buried there, and he was raised the third day. And it was from just outside the city of Jerusalem, Jesus left the earth and ascended to heaven. And the promise was given. You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing to heaven? The same Jesus which is taken from among you into heaven shall come, so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. That's in Acts, the first chapter. Jerusalem in the land of Israel is where Jesus will return and where he will reign forever as king of God's kingdom. He'll sit upon the throne of David as the angel promised. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Today that land, that nation is in turmoil. Turn with me. Uh, you might keep your finger on uh, be pretty much in Ezekiel. Uh, 37, 38, and 39 along there, and also in Zechariah. Zechariah, the 12th uh, chapter, in verses 2 and 3, I think is prophetic of the times in which we live concerning Jerusalem and Israel. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trimming unto all peoples round about. When they shall be in the siege both against Judah and, and Jerusalem. Verse 3, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all peoples. All the bur that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Uh, though all the nations of the earth be gathered together against it. Today Jerusalem is a burdensome stone. The President of the United States been over there is trying to get uh, those hostile toward each other to talk to come to some sort of peace agreement. Israel has signed some peace agreements with some of their neighbors, but uh, the Palestinians, uh, they're not at peace with them, and there's, there's a lot of turmoil there. And so folks are wondering when the most powerful leader on the earth cannot persuade these people to lay down their weapons and have peace with each other. What's going to happen there? The most powerful leader is the President of the United States, whoever that person might be. And, and so uh, today there is turmoil, there is wonderment. What is going to happen? The nations of the world, including our own, are perplexed over the Middle East and especially over the city of Jerusalem. There are many who claim that as their holy city. We, we see Jerusalem as a holy city. That's the city of the great king. That's where our savior, our coming king, will reign from Jerusalem. The Jews claim Jerusalem as their holy city. The temple was there. The, the king of Israel, King David, and all his, those who followed him, Reign from Jerusalem, the kings of, of Judah. And, and so the Muslim world, they claim that as their holy city, one of their holy cities. Uh, that 
big gold dome that you see there, that's, that's not a Christian building, uh, not a part of Christianity. Uh, that is a Muslim facility. And so they claim that as theirs. And then you, you find uh, there, there are many cathedrals, Greek, or, Greek Orthodox is very prominent, Catholic, Protestant, uh, so forth. So many claim the city of Jerusalem, and that's why numerous uh, leaders are calling for this to be an international city. But Israel does not want it to be an international city. And really, it was never in God's plan for this to be that kind of city. Ultimately, it will be the capital city of his great, the kingdom of God, when the Son of God sits on the throne of David and reigns over God's kingdom over this planet from that city of Jerusalem. But that, it is not a city of peace. Jerusalem is certainly not a city of peace today. So we wonder, what is going to happen? Will there be all-out war between Israel and her neighbors? That's a possibility at this time, especially the Palestinians. Will there be a resumption of the peace negotiations? That, too, is a possibility. For now, we don't know immediately what is going to happen. Uh, the President of the United States wants uh, peace in the Middle East to be one of his legacies. There does seem to be a period of time in the future. When it will be, don't know. We don't know the day, the hour, uh, and the exact time, the year that these events will occur. But there does seem to be a time of peace and safety, false security, it's not really a true peace, that is coming for Israel. And perhaps some of the negotiations between Israel and our neighbors today will lead to that period of time. We don't know, but we're to watch. The word of God does, however, tell us of some future events that will take place in the land of Israel and in the city of Jerusalem. And so we'll look at some of those today. And as I said, there might be some individuals who uh, see things a little differently than I, and uh, I'd like to hear those views also. The prophets Ezekiel and Zechariah both prophesied of things that would happen to Israel in the end of this age, before the coming of Christ, or con concurrent with the coming of Christ. I believe, it's my understanding, that both gave information about the same period of time. Now, it, so I'm going to approach it from that direction. Turn with me to the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel was a prophet that had many visions. If you go through the book of Ezekiel, you'll see that Ezekiel had many visions. And one of his visions, one of his visions that is, concerns Israel, is recorded in the 37th chapter 
of the book of Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel at this time was in uh, Babylonian captivity. Uh, they were, the nation was divided. Uh, things were not going well. And so God revealed many future things to this prophet Ezekiel. And while in this state, uh, back almost 600 years before Christ, Ezekiel had this vision. He saw a valley full of dry bones. Now there was a meaning to this, and we're told. And so let's just jump ahead to verse 10. What is this valley of dry bones? Well, he tells us. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, the bones, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And it goes on into the rest of that chapter and tells about Israel, sort of a rebirth of Israel. And so... Uh, Ezekiel saw this valley full of dry bones. And he asked the question, can these bones live? And the answer was, son of man, thou knowest. And so what Ezekiel saw in this vision was that bones came together, bone to bones, Flesh and sinews came upon the bones. Skin covered them about. And then he was told in verse 9. After that. And, and said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind. Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. This is prophetic of, the, of a rebirth of the people of Israel. And my understanding is that this probably started bone coming to bone with the Zionist movement which began in the late 1800s with an Austrian Jew as the leader of that movement, Theodore Herzl, and it progressed, the, the, the Jews began to return to their ancient homeland and it progressed, we had the British involved and so forth and in May 1948, they became a nation recognized by the United Nations, the President of the United States, President Harry Truman. And they have conquered additional territory. They, they have a very feisty army. Uh, 1946, uh, they captured territory. And in all the battles that they have fought, they have done pretty well. And in 1967, when they uh, fought against their enemies, they took the old city of Jerusalem, 
for the first time, they took the old city of Jerusalem in 1967. Now, that's part of the turmoil that's going on today. Should they give that city back to somebody or make it an international city? And so uh, Ezekiel saw this occurring 600 years before Christ. Ezekiel saw this happening. And we have, many of us here have experienced that. We've, uh, I didn't see, I don't know about Theodore Herzl that much except what I read, what I've read, but uh, I remember in May 1948 when Israel became a nation. And I know all some of the things that have gone on since that time. And so they have established themselves pretty much and pretty, pretty well in that Mediterranean land. Their neighbors want to drive them into the sea, drive them out of it. There, there are a lot of nations in the Eastern world, the Middle East, who do not feel that Israel has any legal right to exist as a people. Years ago, the Arab Confederacy of Arab nations stated that their goal was to drive Israel into the sea. And many of them have not given up on that. Ezekiel saw Israel dwelling in their land in these last days. Then in chapter 38 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel sees something else. He sees events happening where a confederacy of nations led by, verse one, 2, Gog and the land of Magog will come against Israel. Many of these nations are identified there. Verse 15 of the 38th chapter of Ezekiel says, And thou shalt come from thy place and out the north parts, Thou and many peoples with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come against my people of Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, and the nations may know when I shall be sanctified in thee, O God, before their eyes. So, I believe that this prophecy has not been fulfilled, that there is a time yet future when a confederacy of nations led by Gog and the land of Magog will come against Israel. Will that be in the next 25 years? Will it be in the next 10 or 5 years? We don't know. But this is something that's going to happen in the future. AD 70 did not fulfill that. This is not the type of event that happened in A.D. 70 when the Romans came against Jerusalem. This is yet future. By the way, Ezekiel 38 and Revelation 20, where Gog is also mentioned, these are two entirely different prophecies. They are two entirely different prophecies happening at two different times in in the place of history, in the calendar of events, in the Revelation, Gog and those nations encompass Christ and the camp of the saints. 
and Ezekiel, they come against Israel. So there is a time yet future when a confederacy of nations will come against Israel. And they'll descend like a cloud. Okay. Verse 15 says they'll come from the north. So they'll come against Israel out of the north. Turn with me now to Ezekiel 38, verses 8 through 13. And after many days thou shalt be visited, speaking to Gog, in the latter years thou shalt come unto the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many peoples against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them, dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt send and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. Thou and all thy hordes and many peoples with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that as the same, at the same time things come into thy mind that thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, these nations that come against Israel are going to say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages and a people that's not protecting themselves. I will go to those who are at rest, who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Why are they going up there? Verse 12, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thy hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, who have gotten cattle and goods, who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all of its young lions, shall say unto thee, shall say to Gog and these nations that come against Israel, Art thou come to take spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey? To carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil. It seems that the, these nations that come against Israel are coming to take the wealth, the resources of Israel. Those of us who have visited Israel, uh, when you look at those eastern countries over there, and compare Israel to Egypt and others. The standard of living is much higher in Israel. Uh, they are far advanced, and, and they have some of the most advanced health care in the world. Uh, they are a very assertive people so far as scientific investigation. If we go back to the days of World War II, many of the people who uh, developed, had to do with the development of our atomic weaponry in this country, which ended the war with Japan, uh, many of those people in the development of that were Jews. Some of them Jews who had fled uh, Germany. And we find this is characteristic of this people. They're fighting for their survival. They're fighting to improve themselves. They are advancing their land, their education, their 
they have a much higher standard of living than other nations. They have more resources. Uh, in, in many ways, they, they can produce a lot of food in that land. And so it seems that th this confederacy of nations come to take away the wealth, the goods, the resources of Israel. And then there's another group that's kind of standing on the side says, are you come and take spoil and take prey? There's one promise that God made to Abraham that is always held true down through history. One of the things that God promised Abraham was, I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse him that curseth thee. And all the kingdoms, the universal empires, uh, the people who have sought to annihilate and conquer Israel, all of them have come to a tragic end. All the great world empires, the Babylon Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Roman Empire, uh, more recently Adolf Hitler in, during World War II and in the late 30s and 40s. All of these people have fallen. All these empires and great nations have fallen. And it will be that way in the future that those who come against Israel will meet their doom and so so it will be with this confederacy of nation in the end of this age and so they have no good conclusion in the 39th chapter we find that God is unhappy about things and going back to the 38th chapter Verse 18, and it shall come to pass at that same time when God shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury will come up in my face. Now, it's not good for God's enemies when his fury gets in his face because he does some miraculous things, and he's going to do that to God. You don't want God mad at you. Uh, Chapter 39, Therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee. They've come against his people Israel, and he says, I'm against you now, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn you back and leave but the sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and to bring upon bring thee upon the mountain of Israel. And then he goes on to say that they're going to fall on the mountains of Israel. They're going to meet their doom on the mountains of Israel. God is going to intervene. He is going to intervene on behalf of his people. In the 14th chapter of Zechariah, and I, again, believe that this is talking about the same period, it does say that all nations be gathered against Israel to battle. Does that mean every little tiny nation? Uh, Zechariah in the same chapter qualifies it because later in the chapter he talks about all of those nations which came against Israel. So Zechariah seems to qualify it 
And I don't believe that there's a requirement there that every little podunk nation uh, come against Israel. Feel free to disagree. Uh, so Gog is going to meet their doom in Israel. God does, I'll bless them that bless thee, I'll curse him that curseth thee. This is going to happen in the last days. Zechariah points out that at that time his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. He talks about the nations coming against Israel. Uh, that Israel's going to have experience some losses. That half the city go into captivity. But he also points out the intervention of God by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who will stand on the Mount of Olives, and he will fight as he did in the days of battle. Now, how did God fight in the days of battle? He used all sorts of weapons. So we don't know all the weapons that he will use. It does say that their flesh will be consumed on their bodies and the eyes and their sockets and so forth. Perhaps uh, some of the great weapons that will be developed, maybe God is going to give those to Israel. We don't know exactly. And they talk about them coming in on horses. And in those days, Ezekiel wouldn't know what he's talking about if he said airplanes uh, and rockets and spaceships and that sort of thing. So he wrote in the language of the day. Why is all this important to us? Well, these are events that will lead to intervention of God in the end of this age and the coming of Christ. God will intervene by doing miraculous things in Israel and for Israel as he did in the days of old. He will send Jesus back to this earth. Yes, there are future troubles for Israel. Before these troubles described in Ezekiel 38 and also Zechariah 14, it does seem that there will be a time of peace. Perhaps in our lifetime, perhaps in the next few years, perhaps soon, we will see the time that Israel will be at rest, dwelling safely, feel secure, unwalled villages a false security not a real peace but a false security and when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction will come as travail cometh upon a woman with child when they are at ease dwelling safely then a confederacy of nations coming out of the north parts will come against them and they'll descend like a cloud and there will be destruction. Israel will experience destruction, but God will intervene in some miraculous way to, dis to destroy and turn those nations back. He will send his son back to this earth. Jesus will come again. When Jesus gave his prophetic message of future troubles, he concluded with an admonition that still applies today. Turn with me to Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus was just giving his Olivet Discourse, just concluding his Olivet Discourse. Uh, he had prophesied 
of the destruction of the temple. He had prophesied many things that would happen prior to his coming. And in Matthew 24, verse 42, he concluded, and this is something that we need to take to heart, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. He repeated this in the 25th chapter, verse 13, uh, when he continued with his parables concerning the kingdom. And he says, watch therefore, verse 13, the 25th chapter, watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man cometh. We're to be watchfully prepared, prepared for the day of the coming of Christ, the day when God will send his son back. He'll leave the right hand of the Father, descend to this earth to establish the kingdom of God. We don't know when that will occur. We know for Israel, it will occur during a time of trouble. And Israel will be delivered from that by the power of the Almighty and he will send Jesus back and Jesus will sit upon the throne of David. This is the age in which we prepare for those events. We don't know how, when all these things will unfold, whether it will be this year, next year, or in the next century. But we are to watch and be watchfully prepared for that day. So when the call is made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. We will be prepared for that day to meet the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is our mission today, to be prepared. And even though the world is in turmoil, Jesus will be the Prince of Peace and institute a peaceful reign from Jerusalem. And then we will have all his enemies brought under his feet during that millennial reign. So we look forward to that day. And until that day, we need to watch, watch Israel, watch the signs of the time and be prepared.